1: If you love Wendon Romance, you're bound to love many of our other shows. Check out our newest podcast, Adaptation Nation, for discussions of adaptations both beloved and new. You could subscribe to Red or Dead for updates on the world of mysteries and thrillers. Or download SFF Yeah for happenings and recommendations in sci-fi and fantasy. Don't miss Hey YA for excellent conversations about a young adult lit. In fact, we've got a show for just about everyone. Go to bookriot.com listen for a full list of all of our podcasts, or simply type bookriot in the search bar of your podcatcher of choice. It'll bring up our full stable. Your TBR and that podcast-shaped hole in your heart will be full. Happy listening!
0: Hello there, and welcome to the other side of 100 in When in Romance. (laughs) I am Jess. And I'm Trisha, And we are recording on Thursday, March 3rd, because it is March, y'all. Oh my god. (laughs) It is March. How is it March? It's fine. It's going fine. It's fine. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. We've got some great stuff to talk about today
1: we do indeed how does it feel Jess, to be on the other side i I mean kind of the same i agree (laughs) which i think is good i think because otherwise it would just be like a letdown yeah but instead like we have more fun stuff that we get to do
0: yay fun stuff
1: also it's three three two two which i know isn't really a thing and doesn't mean anything but when i was writing the date on my show notes i thought it was kind of cool so that
0: is fun i like that (laughs)
1: Thank you for supporting me, even though it's actually probably like kind of dumb, but that's okay. We have like one quick thing for you all. And then we're going to jump into our book club discussion, which we're very excited about. And then we'll we'll do some recs. And you know, and we'll we'll all mentally prepare for episode 102. Yep, that's the thing to do. Yeah. Uh, The one thing we wanted to flag for all of you in the announcements, we don't actually have a ton of announcements. Huge, huge thanks, though, to everyone who listened to episode 100 and sent us messages about it and gave us virtual high fives of all shapes and sizes. We very much appreciated it. It was delightful to get to to see that hit the the podcast airwaves. Mm -hmm. But other than that, we don't have a lot of news. The one thing we wanted to draw your attention to is a very fun segment that was on The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Gosh, probably a couple of weeks ago now. It might have actually even been before our last episode, but it was so jam packed. We just we didn't have time. But Dulce Sloan does a very fun Queens of Black Romance segment. It is hilarious. Mm -hmm. It features Jesse Williams. And there's actually I feel like some very good history in
0: this. Mm -hmm. Jess, I don't know how you feel. It, it's like a really good, like, it's a brief segment, but there's so much information in it while also being very fun. so Exactly. Uh, so we will link to that in the show
1: notes. It is definitely worth five or six minutes of your time. Again, I don't want to spoil anything, but if for no other reason than it is worth seeing the Jesse Williams cameo mm-hmm. that is a part of, of this. And Dulce Williams is hilarious and wonderful. So, So we'll link to that. It can brighten your day when you read it.
0: And before we get to talking about what spurred a full episode today, why don't we thank our sponsor? So this episode is sponsored by TBR, Book Riot's personalized book recommendation service. It's time to check out TBR, which offers tailored book recommendations for readers of all stripes. With TBR, you tell our professional book nerds, we call them bibliologists, about your likes and dislikes, whether you want comfort or stretch reads, and of course, what your reading goals are, and then sit back while they comb through your Goodreads account, if you have one, and handpick recommendations and must-reads for you. TBR offers plans to receive three hardcover books in the mail, or three recommendations by email, so there is an option for every budget and the recommendations-only level is available worldwide. After each order, give your bibliologist feedback, update your requests, stay in line with your reading goals and expanding horizons, and basically have your own personal book concierge. Visit mytbr.co to sign up today. It only takes a few minutes. That's mytbr.co.
1: All right, so I feel like first... Book Club of 2022, Yay. Written in the Stars by Alexandria Belflor. I feel like this is exciting. We get to jump right in.
0: Yes, let's do it.
1: All right. So uh, this book, for those who have not as always on Book Club, we will try not to ruin anything kind of like massive or major, but also we will not take the blame if we accidentally say a thing that happens on like page 270. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way it goes. We will do our best. And, you know, you, you all know that there's going to be an HEA, so it shouldn't be a major spoiler. But- All right. So this book opens with two women who have been set up on a blind date. We've got Elle and Darcy. Elle is like, I mean, I guess a little bit of a mess, but mostly just kind of like quirky and laid back and not very buttoned up. And Darcy, who she has been set up with by a colleague of hers, she's she's working for um, Darcy's brother. Darcy's brother sets them up. The date Does not go well. (laughs) And honestly, maybe it's because we get the date from Elle's perspective, but like Darcy's kind of a jerk. Anyway, it seems very clear that these two people are never going to see each other again. Mm -hmm. Except through a set of like sort of random circumstances, Darcy's brother... Darcy has to lie to her brother, pretend it went really well, pretend they're seeing each other now. Darcy's brother lets that be known to Elle's mom. It's like a whole thing. Anyway, they decide that for the benefit of both of them and what they're trying to convince their families of, they will embark upon a fake dating journey. And they do. It's the holiday season. There are holiday parties. There are Thanksgiving events. There are dates in escape rooms, which is my own personal worst nightmare. But that (laughs) is not for this conversation. (laughs) Uh, There is a lot of discussion of astrology because Elle's job is she works on... Oh My Stars, which is like a Twitter account, but they're also taking it to Brendan's dating app. I might be calling him Brendan. I might be calling him Brendan. I don't, I don't remember. It doesn't matter what his name is. He's the brother. <laughs> it's fine. So anyway, Brendan Brandon is hiring them to bring the astrology element to the website. It's going great. The job part only kind of matters because they're so very different. I did not realize this. I'm probably the one person in the world who did not realize that this is a and p retelling. It becomes very obvious very quickly um, <laughs> that it's a Pride and Prejudice retelling. But to me, it was not like too, too much of a and p retelling. Mm-hmm. It was just like, just enough. Like, it was just the- a fine amount.
0: Yeah, the setup. Yeah, Exactly. And
1: I don't, I don't know, Jess, that was like a very, probably of all of the retellings of the recaps I've done in all of our book clubs, that one might be the most rambly. But I don't know what else I'm missing. What am I, there's like toxic family stuff on both sides, which we'll come back to. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What do you think?
0: I think you've got all the key points. And uh, the other thing is that, like, this book Maybe not quite as much as the second book, but this book is very much a love letter to Seattle. So if you hate Seattle or something, you might not get as much out of reading this book as, as someone who loves Seattle. But Trisha, I think you got kind of the, the key plot points down there.
1: All right, close enough. We'll take it. <laughs> How So okay, key plot points aside, what is your feel for this book? What did you think, Jess? What are like the broad takeaways?
0: Well, I have to say, I first read this book either when or before it came out. And I went in expecting it to be very much a rom-com and came Mm. out of it not quite disappointed, but it wasn't as funny to me as I was expecting. So that might have taken away from my initial enjoyment of the book. But I did like it as a romance novel like the the setup and you know fake relationships are my thing Mm -hmm. and opposites attract are my thing
1: Mm -hmm. if they'd been stuck in an elevator that only had one bed you would be
0: oh yeah ideal Um. yeah exactly (laughs) You'd own you'd own multiple copies of this book. Probably. Uh, but there was something about the way that the book wrapped up that left me kind of uncomfortable. And I'm, I'm not sure if I'm over that, even um, revisiting it so that we could talk about it now.
1: Oh, interesting. I kind of
0: want to revisit
1: that, but maybe we'll do it a little later on and people can skip ahead if they don't want the spoiler. Yeah, I will say I am not always a fake dating person, but oftentimes it's because I kind of feel like The fake dating is dumb, like the people have chemistry, they realize they want to be together, but like for some weird logistical reason, they have to pretend they're fake dating and then they fall in love, but then they have to break up because it was only fake dating. I will say I feel like this story handled that very, very well, Mm -hmm. because these are two characters who, if they had not had the weird family circumstances that they had, like kind of a, a strange chain of events it is very likely that these two people, these two women would have never seen each other again Uh and would have both been perfectly fine with that. Uh That is how bad their first encounter goes. So I did appreciate that like this is fake dating, sort of like a almost not quite enemies to lovers, but like not friends Mm -hmm. to lovers, fake dating scenario that I thought worked really well. I will also say, and this is like a a minor spoiler, they have a, a... one situation where they kind of had put an end date on the relationship and they start to get to it and instead of being like, Well, we're in love, but we don't want to tell each other and so we'll just have to walk away because we've reached our end date. They were both like, So maybe we ignore the end date because now we're into each other. And they were like, Yeah. <laughs> great. They solved that problem in approximately three pages. <laughs> so I appreciated that a lot. There we heard from uh, uh we heard from a couple of folks. Um one of them is Emily who is one of our most devoted and favorite book club members. Uh, she's on Instagram at a Life Lived in Books, and she talked about how there is toxicity in both families, mm-hmm. which it seemed like Emily was not too, too sure about. And I I felt the same way. I think for me it was mostly parents, and in, in Elle's case, siblings. Elle, because she is sort of the Lizzie character in this, has four or five siblings. I don't even remember. Three, four, some amount. Mm -hmm. And her parents are not entirely sure about her life path and her sister Lydia is a real jerk. Mm -hmm. So some of that was, but it was kind of, I don't know, I felt like it sort of furthered the story. Darcy's mom also was kind of a complicated character in that she was maybe trying to be supportive, but she had, it kind of of was late to the game on that. Mm So I don't know. How did you feel about the family stuff?
0: The family stuff is actually kind of what kept me going because yeah. um, you know how I feel about like people and mess and like how it yeah. contributes to growth before the romance mm-hmm. can be complete. And I think that the way that each of them approached their own family stuff And the other's family stuff really, really, like, I was, it was what I was hoping for. And maybe that's one of the reasons why the ending didn't sit well with me, because it was like, this is not quite a spoiler, because I am not going to call attention to any exact thing, just so you know, Mm -hmm. if you're listening. Good job. You're such a pro. The, like, they had done so much work for each other that the ending made me feel like there was something missing in their final efforts on both sides, actually. Mm -hmm. So it was like, it was, it was a um, Tyra. We were all rooting for you kind of moment, but it's a romance. Mm -hmm. So it has to end. So yeah. Like, yeah. You kind of want some, some more stuff to happen with relationship growth because of all of the personal growth that was happening so that's all i'm going to say about that particular thing but as far as family it it was very toxic and like i said i i was glad to see how that toxicity was approached but i still don't know how well it was approached
1: yeah i think that's a a good point i'm with you too in that i love kind of i love like big messy family scenes and even more than that I love to see a main character go to bat for another main character mm-hmm. in a family setting mm-hmm. because the stakes are so high and so different when it's whether it's you know a family of birth or family of choice no matter what it is when you are going to bat for someone in in a relationship whether you're in love with them or in a fake relationship with them or whatever else mm-hmm. I don't know, for some reason I just find that very, very satisfying. And that happens in a big family scene in this book, a Thanksgiving scene. And I like so I was very into that. I'm with you in that I kind of I wish that some of that had been teased out a little more. I'm actually gonna talk later on. I had sort of unintentionally when we do book recs, I'm gonna talk later on about a book that I think maybe handles this as well as any book can. I think you kind of have to make a decision as a writer, mm-hmm. about how much kind of space you're going to yield to the family dynamics versus the relationship dynamics. And it felt to me a little bit like Written in the Stars, which I did enjoy, but I felt like it it did focus primarily on the relationship between the two main characters. Secondary to that was the relationship that each of them had with like their closest person, mm-hmm. which for Darcy is her brother, Brandon Brendan. And for um, Elle is her best friend, Margot. And then sort of tertiary to that was the rest of the family. And I feel like that tertiary layer is where a lot of that external conflict was coming from and a lot of where that individual character conflict was coming from Mm -hmm. that was was kind of pushing some of the interpersonal conflict between Elle and Darcy. And so I guess that's a, a very long way of saying I'm not sure that I... I'm not sure I'm entirely sold on the way that that breakdown of time and and pages was spent. I think I would have liked to see more of them sorting out some of that family conflict, that tertiary conflict, because it, I, re- I think it did have a an outsized impact on their relationship. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, I love a messy th- family Thanksgiving scene, and uh, we definitely got that here. So oh, yeah. who am I to complain? <laughs> How did you feel about? So I feel like you and I have talked about Pride and Prejudice retellings before. Jess, I feel like if I'm remembering right, I don't think you're a huge fan of Pride and Prejudice.
0: Oh, no, Is no. That? I hate yeah. Pride and Prejudice.
1: <laughs> That's kind of what I thought. I didn't want to like put words in your mouth, but that was my thought. So then how did you feel about this? Was it too much of that like original PMP or was it, I don't how did this feel?
0: No, I, I, I enjoy um, seeing how things that are put forward as Pride and Prejudice retellings retell the story and I liked that this one had the setup of kind of the characters meet they clash they insult each other out of some fault but no fault of either one of them and there are all of these kind of secondary characters that fill the roles of the other people in the Pride and Prejudice story, but I like that it didn't try to do it beat for beat because sometimes, yeah, sometimes the ones that try to tell the story beat for beat have to like what's that word? They have to like try so hard to make some of those beats work, like
1: kind of like manufacture a little bit. Yeah,
0: like there's some yeah. there's some elements of the story that just wouldn't work in the twentieth. 21st century um so they have to like create a whole new reason for there to be like a whole third act (laughs) and Mm -hmm. yeah and i i prefer the sort of generic feeling of knowing that this is inspired by it but not like the story retold Mm -hmm.
1: yeah i think that's true for me too i don't i'm not a huge I don't, I'm not, I don't think I feel as strongly about Pride and Prejudice as you do. I, I don't love it. And I think the biggest part of why for me is that it is my truth universally acknowledged, or at least acknowledged to me, that I don't like characters who are jerks, right? Like, Mm -hmm. I, (laughs) that probably says something about me as a a single person. Like part of the reason that I am single at this point in my life is because I don't want to put up with anyone who's a jerk. Uh And so anytime I'm reading a romance novel and someone is a jerk, I'm like, okay, don't engage with this person. (laughs) Don't spend 300 more pages with them. Why would you? Mm -hmm. And so I actually have a note at like page five of Written in the Stars where I say uh, to myself, I'm afraid I'm going to hate Darcy. Mm Mm-hmm. Here's what happened. As we continued through the course of the book, I increasingly started to see myself in Darcy.
0: Oh, no. Which
1: was a real trip,
0: I'll tell you. <laughs> um,
1: so first of all, Darcy, so astrology plays a huge role in this. As we talked about, Ella's an astrologer. It's central, very, very central to her career. And Darcy is, it becomes clear very quickly, a Capricorn. <laughs> and she has Pisces, Her she has a Pisces boon I do not have a Pisces moon. I have a Capricorn moon, but I have Pisces rising. Like, there was a lot of the astrological things that they were talking about. And I'm not a huge, huge astrology person, but I'll be honest, a lot of the Capricorn stuff does very much resonate with me, <laughs> as it did with Darcy. And there's another part of the book where um, something upsetting has happened, and she is, you know, rattled by it. And she keeps telling herself, like, just don't think about it. Just don't think about it. Just don't. And I do that on a regular basis. like There was just very many times as the book continued on where even though Darcy had treated Elle very poorly on their first encounter, it was like, I'm still not sure I like this person, but I have so much in common with this person that it makes me uncomfortable. So, uh, so I don't know. I, so I guess, Mike, I would ask you two questions. First of all, where are you on the whole astrology business? And second of all, have you ever had that happen for better or worse, where you see yourself as in one of the characters in a book that you're reading?
0: I enjoy other people telling me about astrology stuff. (laughs) Because it's like, (laughs) oh, yeah, that that makes total sense. I'm not going to like draw out a chart myself, but I'll have someone read me mine, if they really want to. As far as the seeing yourself in a character it it is kind of like mind-boggling right it's like oh my gosh it's a little jarring
1: <laughs> i'm not gonna lie <laughs> yeah. made me question some of my life decisions
0: well just remember characters in books are amalgamations of every person that the author has ever met so oh, that's so wise <laughs> i feel like i saw that somewhere recently <laughs> but, it's fine <laughs> we'll attribute it to you it's fine <laughs> oh thanks twitter but uh (laughs) but yeah it's like there's so many elements of people in books that you'll read and you'll just be like have i been making those same decisions but Mm -hmm. if you can say no if it's more of a personality thing then you can (laughs) at least you're not the jerk right
1: (laughs) I mean, fingers crossed. That's really all I'm going for is just... And I mean, it all worked out in the end. Mm-hmm. So I feel like the the Trisha Darcy character, you know, <laughs> it's fine. Also, I will say I think I probably have an additional complex because as you stated, this book takes place in Seattle, and I am moving to Western Washington at the end of the month. I was born and raised there. And so I, I have a connection more to that part of the country than to that particular city. But... There was definitely (laughs) – they um, do the escape room that I mentioned in the Seattle Underground, and as I was reading it, I was thinking, I will be close enough to do that, and I will still never do that. (laughs) It sounds like manufactured stress. Yes. And it is not for me. No. I don't know. Any – what other observations do you have about – let me ask you this, too. Will will you read – well, I guess you did. Did you read the next book? I started the next book. And did not – it was – brendan brandon's story and you did not read that one
0: it was brendan's story and it partially it fell victim to my pandemic reading which is a lot of books that i have enjoyed from the start just sort of getting left behind but yeah we've totally talked about that partially it was there was something in the way that that the dates were happening in the second book that were making me really uncomfortable. So I stopped. And, oh, interesting. But the third book is either out or coming out. And I really want to read that one. There's something about like, I really like Alexandra Bellflower's stories or her writing, I guess. And I'm always intrigued by her setups. And then there's something about the execution that doesn't, lead me to where I'm expecting it to go and the second book mm-hmm. I think is in part because like they're going on all of these dates and like the uh female main character is like really uncomfortable a lot of time and like I really like Brendan he's like a total golden retriever type and um I enjoy him as a person, but. Then there was other stuff that was happening, and I was like, "Is this going where I think it's going to go?" And I asked somebody, and they were like, "You should probably stop." So I did. um But yeah, okay. I still want to read the third book. So I don't know what that says about me.
1: No, it's super interesting that you say that because that actually, as for as much as I can't remember his name, Brendan, I thought was a very appealing character. Kind of one-dimensional in the first book, but that's how it always goes, right? Mm -hmm. That's then he gets his own book, and he absolutely has that like golden retriever nice guy thing that is entirely in my wheelhouse. So he is the reason that I would read that. But I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know that I'm super compelled. It might be one that I just check and see if the library has it and Mm -hmm. and read it from there. I will say the book number three, Count Your Lucky Stars, just came out um, a month ago. It came out February first. And that one does feature Margot. I was kind of hoping that the Brendan book would feature Margot and Brendan, but it's not. They, they went a different direction. Mm-hmm. That's great too. Uh, Margot gets her own book. I think that's great. Yep. All right. Well, I think, I mean, I think we both enjoyed this one. I think there are some elements of it that make it a little bit more complicated than some of what we read, but I think there are some things about it, at least for me, that made it particularly enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Messy Family Thanksgiving. Yes. 100% of the time, I'm here for it. Absolutely. And given that this book was a retelling, we are going to talk more about retellings. Uh, But before we do all of that, I would like to shout out Amazon Publishing and The Reunion by Megan Quinn. Thanks for sponsoring this episode of Wedded Romance. Martin and Peggy Chance are celebrating 50 years of wedded bliss. For their three grown children, though, love hasn't come easy. Ford is devoted to his work and resistant to romance, or so he claims. Cooper can't get past his divorce until he reconnects with a feisty baker from his past. And Palmer is the free spirit who always pictured herself with someone other than a handsome small-town family doctor. Can they come together to celebrate their parents' love and maybe take a chance on love themselves? You can learn more about it at Amazon.com slash The Reunion. But in the meantime, you should know that Megan Quinn is the USA Today best-selling author of The Wedding Game. The Reunion is a fun and flirty romantic comedy about three siblings who are each struggling to find love. And as three siblings come together to plan a 50th wedding anniversary party for their parents, they're going to have to navigate their own romantic entanglements, sibling rivalries, and the definitive end of their childhood. This book sounds shockingly, like, entirely in my wheelhouse. (laughs) So again, learn more about The Reunion by Megan Quinn at Amazon.com slash The Reunion. All right. We talked about one retelling, Jess, but we figured, you know, this might be a good opportunity to talk about some other ones. You pointed out that retellings are like, there's kind of a, It's almost its own subgenre in some ways in romance.
0: It is. And like contemporary retellings are a huge thing. And I think part of it is that it's kind of like the more acceptable way to read fanfiction of stories that you've enjoyed because you know what's going to happen although sometimes as we talked about with written in the stars it's more like an inspired by than a beat by beat retelling mm-hmm. of a story but you know it's like familiar characters and all of that stuff and uh, there are a lot of them <laughs> like
1: obviously yeah it's it's so funny that you mentioned fan fiction cuz i was actually going to ask you about that because i am not really in the fanfiction realm, and you are, and I was wondering if there was kind of a, if there was a connection there, and that was a potentially a thing that, that you thought was just sort of a corollary, I guess.
0: Yeah, I mean, like, I can't say that every, like, definitely not every um, retelling that's been published would be considered fanfiction, or started out as online fanfiction, or anything like that. But it does sort of Fill the same kind of need, I think, that fan fiction does for writers who, for readers who want something new but the same.
1: Yeah. No, I think that's 100% right. And like you were saying, there's, I mean, <laughs> we actually, there was an entire episode about two years ago where I was out and you and Jen Northington talked about Austin retellings because
0: mm-hmm.
1: that's an entire subgenre of its own. Right? <laughs> Yeah, I, which, yeah, we can, we can talk about, I feel like we've talked about some of those. It's interesting to me that that is, as much as there are, like, fairy tales have a a segment of this, I feel like mythology right now, particularly Greek mythology Mm -hmm. is sort of having a moment. But I cannot think of a single author or anyone who even comes close that has the number of romance retellings that Austen does. And I, I don't know, I don't, what do you think that says?
0: I don't know. And the interesting thing is that like 90% of them are Pride and Prejudice, right? You've got Bridget Jones's diary, um, which like to, in my mind, kind of started the whole thing. And then you, oh, that's a great point. You move forward to like Sophia Khan is not obliged. Um, which is kind of a retelling of Bridget Jones's diary. So it has like, I don't know, but, um, I, I feel like, people's attachment to Pride and Prejudice, not even always as the book. <laughs> like, the, the you know, there are battles about whether the 1995 miniseries or the 2005 uh, film is the better story, and we get that kind of played out in, like, contemporary fiction. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think it's nice for you to say that that's kind of a battle. I feel like it is a blood... Like thirsty war (laughs) between factions. (laughs) There's some like very real pieces of that, and I I will say I wrote a little bit in uh, Book Riot maybe in December about romance retellings, and I kind of feel like the romance genre Mm -hmm. is perfect for retellings because the framework is already very clear. Right? Like you you have a general sense for what the structure of a romance looks like. And if a book is a retelling, you have a general structure for what that book lo- looks like as well. Mm-hmm. And it's the creativity in it and the storytelling element of it is what an individual author or storyteller is doing within that structure and within those confines. And I think also it's worth pointing out that a lot of the stories that we tend to tell and retell and retell – are ones that do have happy endings, not exclusively. Certainly there are plenty of, I mean, the Lion King is a version (laughs) of Hamlet, right? (laughs) Obviously it's not all the happy
0: stories, but
1: I think there is something to be said for the fact that a lot of what people want to hear over and over again is a happy ending.
0: And what romance can do with the stories that don't have happy endings is once again, a fan fiction term, create a fix it.
1: Oh, interesting.
0: There's a whole genre of fix-it-fix in in fan fiction, and we're sort of seeing some of that happen more in romance, like especially with fairy tales, because you know the old ones, the there is the Disneyfied fairy tales, and then there are the old versions of the stories. So oh, yes, we're Disneyfying yeah. other things, like um, you mentioned Greek mythology, like you know there might be stories where people are married like Hades and Persephone but we can we're making or romance authors are making that story less cringe like i don't, like mm-hmm. that's the only word that i could use because it's like less dark no because like some people who are rewriting these stories are still writing them in a darker world but they're really presenting like a love story for the ages, instead of something that's like basically a kidnapping.
1: <laughs> I feel like you don't even know how well you just teed me up for a recommendation. I, I mean, we're so in sync after 101 episodes. <laughs> But I, in, speaking of actually of someone taking a, a story and particularly the Greek myth, Orpheus and Eurydice, we don't, we don't talk a ton about YA on this podcast because Book Riot has another amazing podcast called Hey YA. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Um, but I read a book last year called Never Look Back by Lillian Rivera and it has stuck with me so much that I think it's, it's worth mentioning. And it is a retelling of Orpheus and Eurydice and there are fantastical elements of it. Yuri has, uh, she's a, a girl 17 or 16 or 17 years old, who is in New York, she has come to the Bronx, but she is from Puerto Rico. And she lost everything in Hurricane Maria. But in addition to that, she's also being haunted. Uh, and she meets Fius, who is from New York, very much a charmer, like very much the like 17-year-old cool guy everybody's into. Uh, he's a singer, like he's super hot. They go all hang out and all of that stuff. And there's a huge family element in this book too. And it's it's dramatic, but in a way that feels very earned, right? It's not like a soapy, and don't get me wrong, I love a soapy, dramatic romance, but this one just feels very genuine. And like, it really is based in a lot of trauma And the stakes feel very, very high. And as I mentioned, there is kind of this fantastical element. And if you know the story of Orpheus and Riddice, you know that you would have to twist this one a little bit to, to get to a happy ever after. But Rivera does it in a way that I think is both satisfying and also feels true enough to the original story that I don't know, it really, really worked for me. So if you are into YA at all, I would recommend Never Look Back
0: by Lilian Rivera. And because you mentioned that one, um, which I will second that recommendation, it I had so many feelings reading that book, I often pair it with another retelling, a YA retelling called Where the Rhythm Takes You by Sarah Doss. And like it's 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 kind of on the YA new adult line, the main character is has graduated from high school and she's preparing for college and her love interest is basically an adult i think they're the same age but he's like a super popular music star now Mm -hmm. and it is a persuasion telling retelling set on trinidad and tobago and it was like give me give me more for one yeah yeah I will always take a Persuasion retelling, which is hilarious because I always say that I don't like second chance romances, but Persuasion Mm -hmm. is my favorite Jane Austen novel. And (laughs) it's like, what? Who are you? (laughs) Um,
1: Yeah. Recipe for Persuasion, which I've talked enough about that I don't need to talk about it again by Sonali Dev is one of my favorite romances that I've read in the last several years.
0: Yeah. Totally get it. So Where the Rhythm Takes You, like I said, it's set on Trinidad and Tobago. The main character has lost her mother and her fa- she and her father run this resort. And the resort is kind of like her baby. It was her mother's baby and and she like can't really let go of it because of how much it means to her and how it connects her with her mother. But she needs to figure out what she's doing in the future and while that's all happening her first love a boy who was a friend and very briefly became those two words combined (gasps) has has is coming back to the island on vacation with the rest of his music group and she isn't expecting him he isn't expecting to see her and they're thrown together because she has been uh, conscripted to be the group's sort of tour guide for their vacation time. And they get thrown together a lot. And it is YA, but still a romance novel. So you know how everything goes. <laughs> Indeed.
1: Yeah. And I we talked a little bit about family dynamics before and retellings and You know, Speaking of fairy tale retellings, I've talked, I think, probably a fair amount, Uh, one could say probably more than that, about the Cowboys of California series that wrapped up last year by Rebecca Weatherspoon. And it's a series that I enjoyed from the beginning, but I think I enjoyed every book increasingly more. And the last book in that series, they're all based on fairy tales. The first is Sleeping Beauty, the second is Cinderella, and the third is Beauty and the Beast, and the third book called A Thorn in the Saddle. You know, we talked kind of about how you balance those family dynamics and that external conflict that comes with from and with families with all of the other conflicts that you're dealing with in a romance. and i it's one of the best handlings of that that I've ever seen, unsurprisingly. Rebecca is fantastic. But it's the sort of like beastliness such as it is, is actually in one of the main characters' tempers. So mm. Jesse has, been running this ranch, he's been doing it forever. He's he's felt very put upon, but has never really communicated that to other people. But he loses his temper with his grandmother and, and her new partner. And uh that new partner's daughter, Lily Grace, uh does not care for the fact that he has lost it in quite that way. I will tell you, when I was first reading this book, I remember thinking in those early scenes, like, boy, they're being really hard on him, you know, I don't know if he but I thought it was I eventually realized I was wrong, right? Like that that is like when someone is dealing with those kinds of issues of anger management and temper and just like all of the things that have been kind of piling on to him that he has not learned to deal with over the course of time. He gets into therapy, he starts to manage it. They didn't give him any slack and, and I kind of came to realize um, probably a little later than I should have that he didn't deserve it and that they needed to do that. But in kind of general, I really appreciated the way that that retelling just it had so much to do with the family dynamics. And that's what brought the two main characters together. But it was also a large part of each of their individual growth, I think. And there was a lot of realizing how much you have to be honest with people and what you can and cannot expect even the people who love you most to know about you and and carving out both a space for yourself while still being loyal to the people you love. It's one of my favorite uh romances of the last several years. And as I said, it's a Beauty and the Beast retelling. So that is A Thorn in the Saddle by the great and good Rebecca Weatherspoon.
0: I gotta tell you, we could talk about Beauty and the Beast retellings for a whole episode, I think. So I we am really not could. I am not going to mention any more today because yeah. um
1: I rejected like three before I landed on
0: that. (laughs) Like, there's one coming out in the future that I'm really excited for. There are a couple that I've read recently. There are, you know, a million that I want to read. But because Beauty and the Beast is just the best thing. But one thing that we haven't talked about is that there is a surprising whack of Shakespeare retellings in the adult romance oeuvre. (laughs) Oh, that's very true. That's interesting. And I didn't really think about it until I started reading Dating Dr. Dill by Nisha Sharma, which isn't out yet. It will be out on March 15th. And I haven't actually finished it yet. But it made me think about, you know, like, some of my favorite movies are contemporary adaptations of Taming of the Shrew. And I think part of that is the fact that the people really have to fight for their ending. And they really have, they both really have to change. Like, they have to change so much over the course of the story.
1: Just to be clear, when you say some of your favorite Hollywood retellings, do you basically mean 10 things I hate about you? I do basically mean 10 things okay. I hate about just you. just wanted to make sure that we were on the same page because that is one of the greatest movies of all time. Absolutely.
0: So. Okay. But cool. also, Deliver Us from Eva is pretty darn good.
1: <laughs> oh, good call. Good
0: call. Yeah. So when I started reading this, I was watching to see how the characters are built so that they're less Shakespeare and more Ten Things, <laughs> mm-hmm. because yep. I like I've done Taming of the Shrew. I've seen Taming of the Shrew. I like Taming of the Shrew, but I don't really like the people in Taming of the Shrew. Uh, sure. <laughs> so, like the way that contemporary creators have retold the story, to provide a more modern personality for both of the main characters is what I'm always looking for. And so far, you know, like I said, I'm not very far into dating Dr. Dill. I like how they've established their relationships with their families, which is what is really going to make them go about the way that the Taming of the Shrew story is told. So I will let people know if that somehow magically crashes and burns. But I doubt it. Uh, as, as far as a good story, not like nice. their relationship, because we know that's going to crash. And burn we know. Him. Yeah, <laughs> correct. But I want more Shakespeare. So if you know a good Shakespeare retelling, or you're writing one, or you have a friend who's writing one, Reach out.
1: <laughs> yeah, because there are all those comedies, right? Like, Midsummer Night's Dream would be tough because of the, like, sort of, yeah, a lot of reasons. Yeah. <laughs> like, Much Ado About
0: Nothing. Yeah, I mean, like, there are ways to do that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And you know, the thing—the funny thing is, I have read two or three YA retellings of Much Ado About Nothing and zero adult ones. Interesting.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. I feel like a challenge has been issued <laughs> out to the When in Romance podcast nation. Gimme. Um, and the last one that I will talk about is a book I've mentioned, I'm sure, sometime in the last couple of years. But it's an Emma retelling called If I Loved You Last" by Tamsin Parker. And part of the reason that I always like to recommend this one when I can is that it's it's both a good book. And also, I think a book that was very tricky to do. Mm. I think Emma is hard to retell for a few reasons. There's if if you're thinking of of the classic version of Emma and not for say you know the clueless version of Emma, <laughs> uh, there is a pretty significant age gap. For one, Emma is also like kind of a jerk. To be fair, mm-hmm. and I will say that Theo, who is sort of the Emma side of of if I loved you less, is a little bit of a jerk. Like not in a not in an ill intentioned way, as Emma never is but in just kind of a self-focused kind of way.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And this this is a um, – someday we'll have a conversation, we'll have to put it on the list, about narrative and, like, first-person soul narrator versus multiple narrators, like, dual narration of both characters. This book is – you just get Theo's perspective. Mm. You do not get Kini's perspective, who is kind of the other side of, of this partnering, significantly older, has been a part of Theo's life for a very long time, and – it's, I mean I oh Jess I have to read more romance novels set in Hawaii because <laughs> just the descriptions are really beautiful but I I do think it's a very tricky needle to thread to take a character who is the only narration voice that you're getting who is younger less mature less sort of cognizant of the needs of people around her as Theo is and still make a love story with someone who is, far more mature and far more kind of honestly kind in a lot of ways mm. it doesn't seem like it should work but i think i think tamsin parker made it happen and really thread that needle and also a lot of his book takes place on beautiful beaches and so i mean where can you go wrong right, right? like not that there's anything wrong with england that's fine <laughs> the countryside or whatever but i'm just saying maybe more romance in
0: hawaii yeah i'll take it yeah um so again that's if i loved you Less" by tamsin parker Gosh, Trisha, I feel like we could go on and on and on. But part of it is that somehow I have, I've done a lot of acquisition of books that I haven't quite gotten to yet that are all in this category. I mean, like someday we can always do a part two in 2023. In 2023, when I've read Drag Me Up, when I've read Neon Gods and Electric Idol, and the third book and the 2.5 book that just came out when i've read nottingham when i've read sherwood like there are so many good ones that i just haven't read well i can't tell you that they're good but i can tell you from my knowledge of the authors that they're good
1: yeah i think that's fair i also think it's a good opportunity too to find out what
0: y'all are reading Mm -hmm. like what are the i
1: mean We've talked a thousand times about, (laughs) I shouldn't say we, (laughs) I have talked a thousand times about the Sonali Dev series that's wrapping up this year, The Rajay Family, that is all Pride and Prejudice retellings. The next one actually also is Emma, which I'm very interested in reading. It's a gender-swapped version of Emma, Um, so I cannot wait to read that. Like, Like I said, I will actually link to the episode that you and Jen did that has other Jane Austen retellings Mm -hmm. but I think there are more out there right like you mentioned a couple that are Robin Hood you mentioned uh, we talked a little bit about fairy tales I didn't even mention the sort of erotic romance retelling of Goldilocks and the three bears it's not as weird as it seems (laughs) like there's just there's a lot out there so I would be very interested to know what everyone else is reading that is a retelling absolutely but in the meantime We cannot, unfortunately, go on forever and ever and ever. Right. I think we've we've earned some goodwill getting 100 episodes, but we still can't do an hour and a half long podcast. So uh, huge thanks, as always, to our wonderful audio editor, Jen Zink, who, if you listen to our episode 100, you actually got to hear from. Mm -hmm. And we were so delighted, and it made our entire weeks. So thank you, as always, to Jen, and extra special thanks this week for being wonderful. If you want to tell us, you know, what you thought of Written in the Stars, if you were just maybe a little behind, or if uh, you want to tell us what retellings you liked or how you feel about the Jesse Williams, Dulce Sloan, whatever you want to tell us, (laughs) you can find us on email, as always, at com. You
0: can find me on Instagram at Trisha Haley Brown. And you can find me on Twitter at reading, all one word, or Instagram at Jess underscore is underscore reading.
1: And please do rate and review the podcast. I know we say it all the time. I know it seems silly, but it actually does help people find the show. And now that we have 100 episodes, I mean, people are going to want to find the show. Yes. So if you wouldn't mind just sticking a quick starred review, we would really appreciate it.
0: Absolutely. And in the meantime, happy reading.